That's, that's the thing about my mask though. I can yell something. <laughs> I don't have anybody looking at me saying, did she just say that? No, it wasn't me. What's up everybody? I'm your host, Maria Martin, and this is Married to the Game. And yes, I know, it's been a minute, which number one, I've missed you guys, but number two, I missed our guests. This podcast is such a blast, but things get so crazy during the holiday season, so just wanted to take a step back, let our guests relax, and hopefully everybody had a safe and healthy and happy holiday season. I know things are very different this year, and also it is a very difficult time for a lot of people, so my prayers go out to all of you that were struggling during the holiday season as well. Also, surprise, I am now planning, (laughs) hold on, it's very funny, my fourth, yes, you heard me correctly, fourth perspective wedding in less than 100 days. Yeah, so life has been a little bit crazy, but we're back, and I'm so stoked about this episode because my guest, her family is rock solid. I mean, they're just incredible people, and she is so much fun. And you bet she's got a lot of stories. Joni Cream. She is the wife of Tom Cream, UGA men's basketball head coach and well-known in the college basketball world. He coached guys like D. Wade, Victor Oladipo, the list goes on. Her maiden name is Harbaugh. Yeah, as in Jack Jim and John Harbaugh. That's her dad and her brothers. So basically, she's been married to the game before she actually even said her vows so much fun, so insightful. She probably knows football and basketball better than anybody else. Buckle up. This is a great episode. Let's ride. First of all, Joni, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you for so many different reasons. So thanks for agreeing to talk to me today. asking. It's an honor. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Welcome to Georgia, first and foremost, because we haven't talked since you guys got there, obviously. What are your first impressions of Athens? Um, Athens is a fantastic um, town. Um, And then you put the college aspect on top of it. What I love about Athens is it's just not Athens, Georgia. It's just, you know, a university town. You have all these other layers on top of Athens that makes it really great. So um, we live about 20 minutes from campus. We're in a little area called the Georgia Club. And cool. um, so I kind of get the taste of the whole, um, you know, inside out of Athens and finding all these little places and just these little great um, small businesses. And um, it's a great place. We really like it. Yeah. And I'm sure that it differs a lot from where you guys have been in the past, right? Um, yes and no. Okay. Um, it's similar to Bloomington, Indiana, when we were ah. at Indiana University for nine years. Um, but Bloomington doesn't have the layers, you know, it's just Bloomington. There's kind of one way in, one way out and, you know, um, and then Milwaukee, we were at Marquette University for nine years. And so Marquette, it, it, you know, Milwaukee's totally different. It's totally city, different, sure. It's, yeah. it's in the suburbs. Um, you could get, you know, great music. Um, we had season, we were season ticket holders with the Milwaukee Brewers. We went oh, to the cool. games. Um, it was just fantastic. It was a great place to live. Um, so yeah, so now we're here and it's good. And, and so I'm getting, I'm adding the South to my, you know, places we've, we've lived. And um, I love being in the South. I love the weather. I was going to say, you probably don't miss the snow, do you? <laughs> Not that snowstorm that's going through. Oh gosh, um, yeah. Yeah. Love the weather, love the kind of slowness and it's, you know, just kind of more relaxed um, place to live. But yeah, I will take 60s, 70s in December any day of the week. 
Yeah, I'm from South Florida, so like, give me 95 and I'm sweating and I'm happy. Like, I want it to be as hot as humanly possible. Oh, totally. Yeah, because we have a house in Florida too. So, um, awesome. I love Florida. (laughs) Same reason. (laughs) I love that. One of the first things that I like to ask everybody, because I think, you know, for everyone it's different, but with coaches' wives, I feel like the way that you meet your husband is always pretty unique. So, let's Mm -hmm. go back in time to how you met Tom. Okay. Um, Tom was coaching at Western Kentucky University um, as an assistant for Ralph Willard in basketball. My dad was the head football coach at Western Kentucky University, where he was for 14 or 15 years, won a national championship um, at that level. And um, I had come back from college. I'd graduated from the University of Pittsburgh and thought, oh, I'm just going to kind of go lay low in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And sure. <laughs> um, then I'm moving on. You know, I've got things planned. I yeah. don't know what I had planned. I really had nothing planned. Um, <laughs> but I've got I, things to do. <laughs> I was working as a, um, a sales manager and taught aerobics at a place called Lover's Lane Racket and Sports Center. Awesome. And, oh, yeah. So awesome. Great people. But um <laughs> The women's bas- the assistant women's basketball coach had said to me, oh, you got to meet this new basketball assistant. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And all I'm thinking is, does he work out? Does he want a membership? <laughs> so he toured the club. Um, Did he want a membership? Uh, no. Dang he, it. I know, right? Um, he left the club and I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. I guess he doesn't want a membership. I guess he <laughs> went back to the office and one of the assistants, Charles Cunningham said, where have you been? And he said, oh, he goes, I think I just met the girl I'm going to marry. No way. Yeah. All I said was, hey, why didn't he buy a membership? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he was moving a bit quicker than I was. But that's that's funny. How yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, how long did you guys date before you got married? What was that oh, like? Wow. Well, it was like... Um, I think it was a year till we got engaged. Okay. Then we probably got married the next year. He was very sure. How come I, you weren't so sure? I mean, you were just focused on the gym membership, obviously. But. <laughs> you know, self-involved 24-year-old 20, that I was. I'm, I'm um, same way. I was the same way. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know. But he had a couple of loose strings, though. He also had to tie up before we could officially start dating. What do you mean? Well, he kind of have seen some people, so there's- Oh, okay. He had to let them go. He met his wife and he's like, all right, see you later. <laughs> tough, tough for Tom. Tough for Tom to do that. But he, um, uh, it took us a while to start dating. So, but we would see each other out and about, you know, as Bowling Green, Kentucky isn't exactly, you know, Atlanta, let's say. <laughs> right. And I'm sure you <laughs> ran into each other quite a few times. Do you feel like, I mean, I don't know, you maybe have asked him this, but was he nervous because your dad was the head football coach? I've never asked him that, but he still calls him Coach Harbaugh to this day, if that means anything. I love that. Um, I mean, the respect thing. I lo- that's yeah, nice. he'll still pick up the phone and say, hey, coach, you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think there was a level of it. Although, you know, I have to say, I didn't realize that I was a Harbaugh. You know what I mean? We didn't. Yeah. You know, at that time, I mean, my brother Jim played for the Bears at that time. John yep. was getting started in coaching with the, um, I think he was at the University of Cincinnati at that time, or then he went to the Eagles. But um, so I didn't realize that there was anything to be nervous about, you know? So I yeah. think it was common, but I think he had a sincere level of respect because he grew up in Michigan. So he knew, you know, my brother went to the University of Michigan and I think he knew, but. Never brought it up really. No, not to me at least. (laughs) Maybe you'll have to ask him after we're done. Um, So 
I, clearly you were always kind of destined to be in the coaching circle. You grew up that way. Your dad was a coach. Your brothers are now involved. Did you think to yourself, okay, I don't want to marry or date a coach because of this crazy lifestyle or were you just kind of I just kind of moving around? Yeah, I was 20. Yeah, it was just more the person, not the place or where the destination. And I mean, 1993, four, who knew that right. you know, he'd eventually do this. So um, now I never checked it off the list. I never thought about it. Dated a couple of people who weren't in sports too. So, I mean, I don't know, but here we are. Here we are. And you love it. Love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just great. Woo! <laughs> Gosh, I can tell we're going to get along. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's just all the stuff that people, this, there, there's, I have this huge thing that there's perception and reality. Sure. So there's a perception of what you, you think the, this world of sports is like, whether you play, coach, you know, whatever aspect you have in it. And then there's the actual reality of what it really looks like and feels like to be in the trenches and um, in that bubble where you're, you know. So the reality part of it sometimes isn't real fun. Um, the perception, I'm sure it looks really good, but... Um, but we've enjoyed it. Our kids have been raised in it. And I think they've got some fantastic memories over the last 20 some years. So. Absolutely. We're, we're going to dive into both of those sides okay. of it because, you know, I can speak to that too. And, um, but I have to ask you because I've been thinking about this ever since I knew you were coming on my podcast. I said, okay, you know, we all know who your brothers are. You're a hardball. Did they ever give Tom a hard time when you guys were dating? Did, did they kind of size him up? I don't think so. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe they I don't should. know if that's shocking, but Maybe they're they your big should. brothers. <laughs> Gosh, I'm gonna have to have my son start look, doing that for his sisters. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I think John and Jim are just—they're such real people. Yeah, and they're not um, intimidating as as people. You know, I think people like to give people like to characterize both of them, and they yeah. both definitely have their. Um, you know, he's this way, he's that way. And really in reality, again, they're neither one of those things. They're just, hey, hi, you know, they're connectors. Now I will say this, if you look, if you were like a fly on the wall looking and listening to phone conversations and you would think Tom Crean was the brother and I was the in-law. <laughs> oh my gosh. If those, they talk more, way more than I talk to my brothers. So they're really close. They're close. Yeah. They have a lot of connections. They talk a lot about the game. They talk a lot, especially during this whole pandemic thing with teams and, you know, how, how, how do I reach our kids and what kinds of things should we, you know, he's getting a lot of feedback and he's giving feedback too. So, you know, they do, so a, that, lot, they do a lot of talking. So, you know, he picked their brain and um, the pandemic is obviously tricky for everybody, but was there a sense of I guess, nervousness from both you and Tom when you guys found out, all right, green light, we're going to play college basketball. Um, I'm still, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. It's, I still am nervous. You know, yeah. I'm still nervous because we haven't had it. Um, all five of the Crean family has not had COVID. Um, but every day you wake up going, my throat hurts. <laughs> I'm coughing. You know, every day it's like this. Paranoid. Like, Don't come close to me. I'm coughing. <laughs> Um, yes. And then there's the other part of it, like we live in the South and things are rolling down here. People are moving. It's things are open. You oh, know, yeah. 
that, you know, your daughter's in school, you know, she played a volleyball season. Wow. Um, you know, you still want to go to the gym. You still want to do some things that are normal, but then you still kind of are pulling the reins back on a lot of different things. So yeah, there's a lot of nervousness with that. Especially I'm sure for you, because you don't want to be the reason why things kind of, you know, stop at Georgia. No, I do not want to be the reason why, but he gets tested three times a week. My son Riley is, he's 21. He's a student assistant on his staff. So he gets tested three times a week. Um, So I feel like, you know, I feel like there's a, you know, I would have, I would know. Yeah. I think if I had it. So absolutely. uh, But yeah, but it's, it's been tough. I mean, it's been, a. you really want to make sure you're doing everything right because those kids trust you. Their parents trust you. Their families trust you. You got to keep them safe. Um, And then you got to coach, you got to still try to coach them too, the same way you did before. I'm sure that Tom feels like he doesn't do as much coaching as he has in the past, more of like logistics. Like, how are we going to make everybody safe? How are we going to get to the weekend? You know? Luckily, he's got a lot of really good people around him. Good. And the, you know, with football here at Georgia um, being so successful too in, in this, so I don't think, are we at the last weekend? I think we're in the last weekend of football season, right? Trying to figure out who to play, but yes. <laughs> All right, I, yeah, I don't think Georgia, yeah, that's right, it got canceled. Um, so I think that's been a great, the, the protocols, the process, the success rate is already in there. So they, they have a good plan and you just have to trust the people. Because there's just a lot of great people who've been here a lot of years doing their job and they're doing a wonderful job. So um, sometimes I'm like, maybe I should get tested three times a week. But then <laughs> if I don't have to do that, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a COVID test before. I have not, luckily, I have not had COVID either. Nobody oh. in my family has. Um, and, you know, Levi, he is, their, their season was canceled, their football season was canceled, right. but they're practicing every day. So they do get tested periodically. Um, He's in the office, but luckily neither one of us have gotten it. We've been safe otherwise. I didn't know that Riley was a student assistant for your dad. I know know that, or for Tom, I know that he plays baseball for Georgia. He doesn't anymore. He did first year, his freshman year. Um, And then the pull to do the basketball, he wants to be a coach. Ah. was much greater than that. So he had to make a decision. He did because he missed out on a lot of, you know, um, practices, you know, um, travel, all that stuff. So now he's heading. He leaves the, when he's here, he has an apartment on campus, but when he stays here, he's like the most, I mean, structured guy. You'd think he's a basketball football coach the way he says. <laughs> he leaves the house like at 7, 7.30, works out, goes to the office. He's in the office sometimes. He is in the office more than his father, so. Um, wow. Yeah, so he really enjoys it, so it's kind of nice. You can see him on the floor there during the games, and I don't know what he does, but <laughs> it just contributes in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you clearly know the difference between the football life and the basketball life. How different are they? Um, from our standpoint, football is very structured. The day the 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 season of football is very structured, from you know when camp starts to once you play your last game. So the the um, you know, I grew up knowing that Thursday nights was the night dad was home past dinner. Yeah. Um, Friday nights, he, if it was an away game, you know, he was gone. If it was a home game, um, he would come home and spend a little bit of time before going back to the hotel and all that stuff. Um, 
So yeah, so a lot of my, it's weird, like Thursday night still is the night like I make spaghetti and, you know, because we used to do that when we were, you know, because it was the big fan, you know. Yeah. So a lot of those things have still kind of been instilled. So even though like, you know, game week, you know, but basketball, you got two games a week sometimes. Um, You move really quick on from wins and losses. Um, It's not as structured in the, as, as your time in the office. Um, you don't break out into, you know, quarterback meetings, you know, secondary meetings. It's, it's, it's everybody kind of all collaborating on everything. There's no offense and defense. So. Which I think one of the good things I'm sure from, from your perspective is that you do move on very quickly from wins and losses. Um, I move on really quick from wins. I don't necessarily <laughs> move on quite as quick from. Losses. Okay. <laughs> How long does it take you to get over it? Depends on the loss, I guess. Loss? There's still a couple I'm really still holding on to, so. Like what? <laughs> Which I'm ones? Totally, I will not say. Will no, not. you're not Joe. Oh, come on, you have to tell me. Give me one. Some, you know, you just wish there would have been some differences. And, um, uh, but no, I'm just teasing. I, <laughs> I do. And as I gotta say, as, as getting older, I'm a lot better at, you know, not wallowing in it the whole next day. You try not to let it ruin your whole life. but it did before when you were younger for sure yeah (laughs) you know what's funny is I I talked to somebody about this earlier is that whenever I'm sitting in the stands not as a reporter not as my job but as somebody that's invested in someone on the field and I actually have an interest in someone I care about that's on the field it drives me nuts to hear people around me talk about things good bad or indifferent and in basketball when you're sitting really close to them you can hear them right Sure can. <laughs> and I, when I was your age, I'd step my neck around and I'd say, you have no idea what you're talking about. No, that's not true. No, you can't call them that. No. You know, now it's just kind of just sit there and just go, you know, you try to. Doesn't matter. Don't say anything. <laughs> or, let some, or somebody else. Sometimes somebody else will turn around and snap and say something. But Someone uh, that's with you? Not necessarily with me, but there's been a situation where another wife has turned around. The wife sitting behind me has turned around to the person behind her, her and she said, why are you even here? You're so miserable. Why are you here? Why do you even come if you're going to be this miserable the whole day? So, like, so um, everybody has their breaking point, so to speak. But yeah, you do, because I don't think the average, you know, I don't want to say the average fan, because every fan's important, but they don't have a real idea of what goes into the getting to that tip-off or they don't they have no idea how much time and preparation goes into it and and, Uh, you know it's it's literally your life and your livelihood and your 24 7 is that you are around that it is a part of your family it's a part of y'all's dna and so when you hear someone just make a comment that infuriates you it's like you guys have no clue sports are all fun and games but for 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 us and for everybody that's in the trenches it's it's a whole different ball game that's very true. And even just listening to commentaries on, you know, football, college football season this year, and some of the things that get said, and it's like, no, that's not quite right. No, that's not really what it, what the problem is, or that's not really what's happening. And um, so it is frustrating. So you have, you have two things. You either don't listen to it, which is it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hard to do. Or you listen to it. So at least, you know, what's out there, what's being said, what do I have to counter where do I you know kind of I'm kind of more on that line someone says you have to stop reading this and I'm like I just can't 
<laughs> I can't help it. Oh, no. Wait, so oh, you no. read? You read after the losses? No, I only read after the wins. <laughs> really? Okay, so, but the losses make you upset, we know, but you just, you're like, no, I'm not going to read anything. No, I try not to um, because it doesn't even make a difference. And, it's true. Um, you know, I think with Georgia basketball too, it's not really on that kind of a radar where people get on and, you know, have a lot of, um, not yet, complaints. not yet, but, um, and I hope, I hope it does get to that point because that means you're, you're moving somewhere. Sure. So, um, but yeah, and I think it's great too, because with COVID, you know, we were talking about that is yeah. the number of people that are allowed in the building is totally different. It is totally different, but I think it's really cool because those people are really invested because they chose to came, come to the game. So that's kind of neat. I also don't think that they're probably going to go off on anybody while there's nobody in the arena. Because <laughs> you'll know who's saying it. That's yeah. the best thing about my mask, though. I can yell something. <laughs> I don't have anybody looking at me saying, did she just say that? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Just behind me. <laughs> that's awesome. Wait, so which fans were the worst? Which fans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that just gives them more um, fuel to be bad fans. Can I guess? <laughs> okay, I'll give you, let's guess. Indiana. Now, at Indiana? Oh, you mean our home fans? Yeah. Well, our people are wonderful. Oh, home good. Fans. Now, good, good, what good. I respect about Indiana fans are, I feel like they know enough about the game of basketball that a lot of times when they say something, I'm like, hmm, he's not wrong. <laughs> I'll let him oh, say it, even though I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, um, but yes, I would say Indiana fans have a, a ton of passion for their program, and I feel like they're vested enough in um, Indiana basketball to say what they say. I believe that. I really do. Because, I mean, Indiana is a basketball school, first and foremost. I mean, yeah. same, as, same as Marquette. Georgia, it's a little bit different. Their football program did very well this year, so. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. They were like the Cinderella story of, of college football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but you know Georgia it's obviously it's a little bit different here in the south it's unless you're in Kentucky really it's football first and foremost right. but now the SEC is getting a lot better at basketball I mean the SEC is competitive now mm-hmm. for sure yeah and it is and um that's that's all you want for a program you want your school to do well in their all of their a all their sports but when you're talking your flagships, you know, your, your men's and women's basketball, your football, um, and in the South too, your baseball. Yeah, right? absolutely. So strong in baseball. You want all your programs to do great. And that's the goal is um, as a basketball coach, you want your football team to be great. And I hope as your football coach, you want your basketball team to be great. I think, um, you know, for people in the SEC, they, they want that too. They want every single school to be great. And I don't know. I mean, this could, it could change by the time this airs, but right now Georgia basketball is undefeated. So I'm just saying off to a good start. No, that was me. (laughs) Oh no. We made the dog bark. Sorry. Here's your drinks. Have a supersonic day. Nick in the morning. You don't even, you don't even speak full words, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, Hey Nick, you're just like, Oh, I don't look forward to any other drink like I do my morning drink. Sonic's Morning Drink Stop. Large drinks for 99 cents and large specialty drinks for $1.49 before 10 a.m. For contactless ordering and payment, order ahead in the Sonic app. Tax not included. See menu for details for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. Mobile ordering available only at select locations. Tom's been a part of, obviously, refurbishing really good programs and namesake programs and and putting them on the map. But... I think a lot of people were really critical during his run at Indiana specifically and the way that things ended. Was that 
hard for you to listen to? Yes. Yes, it was. I think, I think what's the hardest thing about that is the first, what, three years there were just horrible. You know, not only did we invest in the program, we invested in the community and the people. Our kids went, to, our kids went nine years to school. You know, my 15 year old started as a pre k and then went to uh, sixth grade. So yeah, it was hard, but I feel like they had a feeling and, a, you know, they didn't think it got to two big 10 championships in four years. Wasn't the best you could do. You could do a lot better and go farther in the tournament than sweet 16. So, okay. You disagree. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, you know, I know how hard that is to attain. <laughs> well, you know better than anybody. I feel like I guess, especially nowadays, people measure success on championships, sure. whether we agree with that or not, which I do not agree with that. Uh-huh. That's really what keeps your job or pushes you out. That's well, it should be. I mean, it should be because that's what, that's what you want. That's what fans want. Um, but there is a lot of, um, a lot of kid, people that go into the, you know, you, you there's so much more that goes into a team with all the, every team's so different and every team brings their own um, challenges along the way. And each season, I mean, I can name a season like, you know, this happened and that happened and all these, you know, this, and you deal with so much and other than just each game. So. Also, basketball is so crazy because they don't call it March Madness for no reason. I mean, look at what Auburn did two years ago. It is, it is crazy. And so it, I think it's harder in basketball in the postseason, if I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, yeah, because in football, you know, a successful season to a lot of programs is to go to a bowl game. Yep. Um, you know, the years we were at Indiana, if they went to a bowl game, I mean, that was just win, win. It doesn't even matter if you win it. Um, you know, but like at Georgia, that's just, eh, the level of success for football is a little bit, your expectations are a little more. Um, but yes, March Madness, to get to March Madness is a huge accomplishment for all the teams that get there. And that should never be overlooked. And then every game you move on, it should be celebrated for what it is. And What's your a- favorite part of March Madness? You've been to a Final Four. Yeah, um, that wasn't necessarily my favorite part. Um, my part of March Madness, I love Selection Sunday when you know you're going. I think that is just awesome. And what's great is to sit back and watch the kids, your players, like the first time they get to see their name on the screen. That's pretty cool. Um, that's, and then I, I, I've always loved that we were able to travel and we were able to take families, you know, everybody's family could go if they chose to. And so they shared that together. It wasn't just, I, cause I think that's important. If you're going to be in this life, you better share it. And um, otherwise it's kind of, the days are long. So um, I like that part, the travel and the people and getting to know one another's families and things like that. Don't necessarily like the games. The two hours are just, they're just tough. Oh, it's so hard. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think Selection Sunday is probably my, my favorite. One of the things that I've noticed that I actually really appreciate about Tom is that he's constantly 
on social media, you know, he's sharing that his kids are involved. I mean, how involved have your kids been over the years with his job and, and Our three kids? Yeah. Um, oh, they all three have been. <clears throat> um, Riley probably the most because he's um, at Indiana when we had those three really hard years. There was the there was the I think it was the fourth year. I said to Tom, you got to give him something to do during game on the games. I said he's got so much interest and so much um, passion for the game of basketball and for sports. Can he sit on the bench? Can he just, you know, fold the chairs up? Can he do something? Can you give him a statistic to keep? And he's like, yeah. yeah. So Riley started to sit on the bench and um, sat down there in his little seat in the corner and kept a stat. He kept awesome. the, I think it was the defensive stops. How many defensive stops you get in a row? Yeah. I want to get three stops in a row every game. Um, multiple times, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Three stops in a row equals something. I don't know what they call it, but that was his stat. So, um, and then it's, it's led to this. Um, Megan has actually um, done, when she was in high school, she did a segment on his um, TV show. Cool. She's interviewed like coaches. She interviewed Dick Vitale. Um, so that's kind of neat. That's awesome. Ainsley, when she was little, she would choose to stay home with um, this girl named Haley Sims, was her babysitter. So she would stay home. She goes, no, I'd rather stay with Haley. <laughs> okay. So the first game that Ainsley regrets missing is the Kentucky game for the, when they, we won at the last second. Yeah. shot. And she, I came home and she goes, I can't believe, I mean, she was like four years old. She goes, I should have gone. I should have gone. Oh, she was just hanging out with Haley. Yeah. Hanging out with Haley. Well, Ainsley's favorite was after a big win, um, she would get to go on the, do the post game interview with her dad in her little cheerleading outfit. So then she started going, you know, she started going a little bit more and she and Victor Aladipo. Yeah. That was her fave. That was her really? favorite player. So um, when he came to campus, he used to carry silly bands around. Remember silly bands? Yes. Gosh, I haven't heard that in forever. Like, packs of silly bands in his backpack. So whenever he saw Ainsley, he goes, come on, Ains, let's sit down. And they'd sit down on the floor, spread out their silly bands in trade. I love that. that her first player. So she would always go when Victor was on the post game. She and now he play. is who he is. He is who he is. <laughs> that's who he was back then too. He's oh, that's cool awesome. Kid. So yeah, so each kid has had their own way. I think she told him the other day, she said that um, she's 15 and she said, uh, we got to rebound a little bit better. I got win many games rebounding like that. She said that to Tom. Yeah. And he goes, well, by the end of the game, you know, we ended up out rebounding. And she goes, well, not in the first half. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what does Tom do? Oh, he takes, he listens. You know, he listens. Listen, if you're going to put something into that kind of thought and have the courage to say it, you're going to have to be heard. <laughs> she backed it up though. I mean, she wasn't wrong. Yes. Do you ever interject your opinion with Tom? <laughs> um, I do. I do. The best question would be, do you ever not interject your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> it's never ending, right? <laughs> I sometimes go too far. I cross. Do that. you? Yes, I've crossed the line. Oh, absolutely. What do I you mean? The best thing I've stopped doing is I think the best thing I can do is go to bed before he gets home. Somehow. Oh my gosh! You're talking about after a loss, I'm guessing, right? Yes, yes. Or your mom was like, you know, we didn't win. We could have lost that if. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I sometimes. Here's the problem, and here's where he's exactly right, and you're hearing this for the first time ever. Wow. He's exactly right when he says, you're not there every day. You're not in practice. You're not seen. You know, sometimes I'll see something and I'm seeing it wrong because I'm not there every day. Right. And that's where he's exactly right. And that's where I've had to kind of say, 
okay, I should probably Okay, maybe but I just want to tell you. <laughs> what I do is I say it to Riley. <laughs> think about this. Do, you, do, I have a, do I have a valid point here? And like, he'll let me know if I have a valid point or not before I... Oh, so you clear it with Riley and yeah, then you go to talk. Yeah, for sure now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you always do that? Like with your dad, maybe even with your brothers? No. Just no. Tom. Yeah, just Tom. <laughs> I have a vested interest. I mean, it's the butter on my bread, you know. Right. You know, of my, course. You know, what my brothers are doing, that's their problem, not mine. I don't, I don't <laughs> have to worry about it. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, it, it's difficult because sometimes, you know, the seasons cross and they, they intermingle um, based off of timing. I know it's probably hard to keep up with what they're doing all of the time, but do you ever try to keep up, I guess, with them? Oh, yeah, I watch all their games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I did fall asleep during the Ravens um, win the other night, though. <laughs> I felt bad because I woke up and Tom's like, no oh, way. That was the best game this year. Oh, shoot. I can probably watch it, right? I shouldn't tell you that, yeah, but it really was. I can rewatch it. I can rewatch it on ESPN. I'm going to do that. By uh, far the best game this year so of any team. So you need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Go Ravens. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I do for sure. Yeah. I'm very invested in what they're doing and, and how they're doing it and the success that I want them to feel. And, you know, their wives, you know, will text congratulations, good luck. You know, they'll text, you know, so yeah. We're, we don't see each other, but we're all invested. In a normal year, obviously not this year because COVID is weird and holiday like with you guys. There's never been one. Never. I haven't had a holiday with all with my whole my family, my two my two brothers, my parents, and our family. We have not had one in probably thirty years. Makes sense because I, I mean I'm really glad that you brought this up because this is another side that I think the average person doesn't understand, right? About coaches, um, whether it's basketball, football, whatever the time off that you have is incredibly limited, right? You're normally playing on Thanksgiving or for basketball, you could be playing on Christmas. People mm-hmm. don't get that. Yeah, not so, yeah, not so much that, uh, definitely you could be playing on Thanksgiving. Our last two years have been, that we've been in the Cayman Islands for Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving and then we were in- Not Thanksgiving. Not bad at all, unless you lose. And it's not any fun. <laughs> um, so we were Maui last year, Caymans, and then- um, Christmas, I think the NCAA has instituted something where they have, you have a mandatory three days off between your last game before Christmas. So that's kind of, that's really nice. That's super um, nice. Yeah, it is. And then, um, you know, John Steve's season is still going over Christmas um, and Jim is in a bowl game. So now there have been times like um, Michigan was in the Peach Bowl a couple years ago. So Jim, I, we went to the game. We spent time with him at the hotel a couple different times. And then Jim and his family came to our game after the Peach Bowl was over. They stayed in Atlanta and then came here. So it's very limited where you guys, not even just a holiday, but it's very limited where you guys are all in the same place. Yep. Uh, Last time we were all in the same place was my parents' 80th anniversary. We all flew into Ann Arbor to surprise them. We were all there together for the day. That's great. One day. Was it crazy? It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. John couldn't stay as long because his daughter, Allison, um, was in a lacrosse camp at Notre Dame. That's where she's a freshman at Notre Dame. She's on the lacrosse team. Awesome. And they were just kind of getting her from camp. 
So. So earlier you mentioned Victor Oladipo and I'm glad that you did because Tom's, you know, his two marquee guys or the guys that everybody knows that he coached would be D Wade and and Victor, but there's been so many guys over the years who've been successful. How awesome is that for your family to watch that transpire and stay with those connections over the years too? Oh, it's, you know, that's why you, that's why you get in the business is because you have, you want to teach in essence, right? Coaching and teaching are equivalent. And um, when you bring in good people who buy into what you're teaching, it's just the sky's the limit to the, how great the relationship can be, how great they can be. You know, Victor Aladipo is the best story ever because he had no scholarship offers. He was a three star, which I think is completely stupid that they do that. Five stars, three stars, all that nonsense. Agreed. But yeah, and he came and he just, he became a Hoosier, a kid from Maryland could probably run for governor in the state of Indiana because he had such a personality that was so inclusive of everybody and he had a heart of gold and he didn't take anything too seriously and let criticism roll off his shoulders. And um, I think that's a fantastic story. And Dwayne Wade, the same way, he had three scholarship offers and wasn't even the best. I don't think he started on his AAU team and goes to Marquette as a partial qualifier, which you may not even know what that means because they haven't done it in F forever. It means yeah. you got your grades, but not your test scores, or you had the test scores, but not the grades. Okay. He had to talk the president of Marquette into taking him. Wow. Because they thought he was such a risk. Well, it's paid off pretty well for Marquette. <laughs> Quite the career. Um, right. But again, he bought into it. He bought into the university, the people. It, it wasn't ever greater. He was never greater than anybody around him. His teammates, I just love hearing, seeing their banter on Twitter. And I think there was a game where Tom was watching during, I think it was in May during COVID. And one of those old games was on Louisville. I think it was Louisville Marquette. And Marquette came back from 19 down to win the game at Louisville. Wow. And um, he started texting everybody. Oh, like so he was watching it because everybody's watching it. Awesome. So um, I think someone told him it was, they had this long thread going text messaging one another. Well, Dwayne kind of was like, he didn't know a couple of the people on it. Cause he didn't have those numbers. Yeah. Like he texted Tom, he goes, I'm not saying anything. Who are these people? <laughs> Tom told him who they were. And he goes, Oh, I just didn't have their numbers in my phone. Right. So, cause he didn't want to start saying stuff. And then sure. people, you know, how, you know how that goes. I know how um, that goes very well. So they had the best time. Tom was up to like two in the morning. With, it was just, just so fun just to hear them. You know, he would say what, what this kid said or that kid said, or, you know, then, they, then they're finally at the age where they can finally tell Tom what they thought of, you know, him or what they thought of what he said or remember coach they? Said this, remember coach said that. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love that. So he, he keeps in touch with everybody, right? He keeps in touch with every. He keeps in touch with the ones who you want to. Who keep in touch with you too? You know, there's a yeah. two-way street to that too. Um, but yeah, he does. And it's not every day. It's not every week. It's not every year. But this like a night like that. That's pretty fun. So you know, when we started this podcast, we started talking about um, the difficulties in this profession and in this life. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like the hardest part of being a coach's wife is? Um. That's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, I would say it's just dealing with the people who, again, it's perception and reality. They have a perception of who your husband is. And the reality is, is a lot of times people say really mean things. 
you know, they critique how you look, they critique what you said, they critique, um, you know, every aspect could have been critiqued for Tom Crean. And in re most of it is false. You know, he's this way. No, he really isn't. He's actually more this way. Um, he's, one of the, he's one of the most caring human beings you'll ever meet. Um, but that side doesn't always show. He's not one to like, he doesn't videotape everything that they do just so he can put on social media to show what kind of person he is. That's not right. Most of the time he'll do stuff off camera because that's what you sh that's where it should be done. But um, I think it's that. I think it's the dealing with people's perceptions of who your husband is and the critique and the criticisms and that are a lot of times, some of them are valid. You're right. Yes, that's a valid point. But don't take it two steps farther than it has to be taken. Um, and don't, and some of it's not valid. It's just kind of made up perception. People really love to be funny, you know? <laughs> Especially on Twitter, right? Yeah, they're just, it's like, what are you missing in everyday life that, you know? You have that, <laughs> that you have to interject your opinion on my life. <laughs> Six followers that, <laughs> yes, <are> hilarious. <laughs> the Twitter trolls, they're the worst. Like anybody that's ever given me any criticism on Twitter normally has like, two followers, 12 followers, you know, and it's just like, what are you yeah, doing? It's either a new page or literally you have no followers. You know what I mean? You got nobody. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you pay attention to Twitter a little bit? I do. I will admit it. Yeah. More than I should. I'm not <laughs> a lot. Not, no, more than I should. Some of it for me is just, I want to, that's the first place you go. If you heard something happen, I want to know, did it happen? Especially you know? for sports. Like that's where it is, is Twitter. Um, you know, I'm going on there every day to find out the update on the young man from Florida. I know. Who, that's just, I want that kid to pull through and do great things. Um, so I go on there for that too. But yeah, and then you, then you kind of go down the rabbit hole of Twitter. Bad place to be. It is a rabbit hole. Don't go in the rabbit hole of Twitter. Unfortunately. <laughs> rabbit hole of Twitter. <laughs> you also probably use it to keep up with your kids for crying out loud. I mean, you, you guys have a lot going on. Yeah. There's, there's some great stories about that, but I'm not going to go into that with Megan Crean in college and Twitter. So. Okay. How could you not go into that now that you brought it up? It's your fault. You, you brought it up. Well, when Tom was let go at Indiana, um, there was a sign that was hanging for like the last couple weeks of the season off of somebody's house in Bloomington, some kids, you know, some student housing. Yeah. That fired Tom Crean. Perfect. Great. Thanks. So unbeknownst to us, she didn't tell us about it. She, she would walk by it. That's she had to go by that house to get to class. Okay. Wait, hold on. Pause the story. Do people know who her dad was? Um, no, okay. they didn't. There was times she was in class and people would be talking about basketball and had no idea who she was because Megan never put herself out there. I like Megan, that. I respect that. She didn't tweet about it. She didn't, you know, she put stuff on Instagram, but she had, she wasn't doing what she's doing now. It's not, wasn't public. Sure. They didn't have allowed to have public accounts back then. Um, so anyway, so she walked by the house. Well, when he got fired, they put thank you on the sign, like fire Tom Crane and then thank no. you. So um, we are getting ready to leave to go to Florida on a house, fact, uh, house finding mission. Okay. And her and her college roommate, they'd graduated, so we were taking them as a little special trip. The day we're leaving, of course, I put, I see something on there where she is just literally laying into somebody on Twitter. I'm like, what 
is going on? So I go down the rabbit hole, find out that they had, she had decided to go down in the middle of the night, they dressed all in black and took it down, took the sign off the house. They took pictures of it and then they threw it in a dumpster. Which I really think it's funny. I think it is funny. Whatever. She didn't do anything wrong. The young man in his whatever Venmoed her for the cost of the paint and the sign. Oh my gosh. No way. He took that Venmo screenshot and tweeted it with some choice words. So I had to say, you got to get it taken down. You got to get off there. Now, to her benefit, we didn't tell Tom until the plane landed in Florida because there's enough stress going on. And um, <laughs> she's like, um, are you reading the comments? People are Team Megan. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> So was he mad? No, by the time it was all passed, he wasn't mad, no. I think he was more, because she used some language that she shouldn't have used. She wasn't raised to use that type of language, so. I'm sure if you walk by it every day, though, it's uh, probably going to leave a mark and you just let it all out at one point. It's funny, but that's the one funny story about that's why you Google your kids' names on Twitter. You want to find out what's going on. PSA, if you want to know anything about your kid, Google them. <laughs> them yeah. so. Well, that helped Megan out. Now now she's doing okay. social influencing things. And Yeah. I see. Oh, there you go. That's a Team Megan comment. Look where it's led now for good old <laughs> Megan. You're welcome. Do you ever feel like nervous, I guess, because you guys are a little bit more in the spotlight? Do you ever feel nervous for your kids? Oh, yeah. I mean, Riley played basketball in the state of Indiana. For You know, he went to high school and he graduated the year Tom got let go also. She graduated from college. He graduated from high school. Yeah. The things that kids would say, the things yelled at him in stands. I mean, that's what when he was playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Ew. But you know what? Riley's this all day long. That's a good thing. Riled him up. He actually laughed. It was funny. You know, he had to deal, Riley dealt with a lot more than, than you would assume the head coach's son at Indiana would deal with in Bloomington. So just from people saying stuff to him, well, you'd assume, oh, he has the easy route. Oh, he gets this. Well, a lot of times people flip it. They make it harder for you because of who you are. Cause they don't want to show favoritism. Um, but he did well. So that's good. Yeah. Okay, let's switch up a little bit because now that you guys are in Athens, you're in Georgia, you get a small taste of the SEC because you haven't been here for very long, but a very exciting first season. You had literally the number one pick in the NBA draft on your team. Just a lot of fun things are happening. Why is Georgia a good fit for you guys? I think it's a good fit because we get the football aspect of it. You know, I think if you're going to be a coach at the University of Georgia and you're not the football coach, you better darn well love football. You know what I mean? And not feel slighted and not feel, well, gosh, they, you know, uh, for football, they do this and they do that. Or, you know, you can't feel that way. You have to be invested, like I said, in the success of it, because that's ultimately going to help you succeed. So I think that's probably the main thing. I think that um, there can't be any kind of ego competitions in those two positions. Um, And Tom's the least ego person you'll ever meet. So um, I think that's a good fit for him. Um, he wants to see other people succeed. Um, I mean, I just love a good football game. I don't care if it's Boise State <laughs> versus Utah. And, well, when I was younger, I'd stay up for the 11 o'clock game. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you talking about? You fall asleep? 
<laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, now I'll fall asleep. I don't watch those like late games anymore, but I used to when I was younger and I had babies. Um, but yeah, I love a good football game and I love a good atmosphere and, and things like that. So, um, and I just think we are college town people. We're excited to be here, but it's not, it's not at the level that it needs to even be close to being at. I, I think a lot of people are really excited to have Tom here because Georgia basketball has wanted to elevate itself for, for quite a long time. And he's one of those people who has proven himself to do that. Um, but I don't think a lot of people know Tom yet. And that's a lot of the reason why I wanted to get you on. Um, what do you guys like to do when you have downtime? Oh my God, we are the most boring people mind. But what we really like, what we, our pandemic deal, our coronavirus new game is pickleball. No way. Pickleball is the greatest sport ever made. Who's better at it? Um, Ainsley. Ainsley Crane. Well, Riley's the best pickleball player in the family because he's got the wingspan. Yep. You know, Riley can like, you'll be playing on Riley's team and it's like he's playing singles. <laughs> all over the place. But, um, but um, so we like to do that. We like, um, as a family, we play Rummy Cube. We like the game Rummy Cube. Yep. Um, Tom used to watch Housewives with me. The oh my gosh. Like back in the day, like, let's see, in Wisconsin, like when it was first came out, he'd watch it. But then after a while, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Like, I just can't do this. So he was really good about that, but now, now we don't do that anymore. Um, I was going to ask you if he liked it, but clearly not. I'm on that, yeah. Um, <laughs> what else do we do? We take walks. Um, he tries to, you know, the dog. The dog doesn't always love Tom Crean, but... Um, really? Cooper's not a fan? He's very possessive of the person who feeds him. That's the whole thing. Which is you. Like, I'm not feeding him to get the dog to like me. Although he does sit there and check cereal and hand for the sandwich. He tries. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He, he secretly feeds him. But um, yeah, so it's good. Tom's a voracious reader. He has his head in a book. He'll take a book anywhere we go. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you really? a book, I've got an address for you. I'll let you into my house in Florida to go get it because that's where they all are. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He loves to read. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So he's just a, he's a good human being. You know, if somebody sees somebody struggling, he's going to go help them. And sometimes we're like, dad, no, not right now. <laughs> you don't know. Inject yourself somewhere where you shouldn't. But um, no, he's just a good human being. What is your favorite part about being a coach's wife? Oh boy. Um, I think a favorite part of being a coach's wife is being allowed to share in it. And then that's sharing the highs and the lows and have a spouse who wants his kids involved and wants them around and sharing in it. Um, um, I also, my favorite part now that I'm 52 and have been in it a lot of years is opening up my Instagram feed and seeing former players, wives or themselves, you know, Instagramming pictures of their kids or their family moments or their business successes, or, you know, some are in coaching now, some are developing their academies, basketball coaching, you know, academies for young people and all those successes. So I think, you know, it's that, it's my family being allowed to share in it, but more so seeing all these kids go on to be great husbands, fathers. Um, uh, you know, I knew they were great sons, some better than others, but um, yeah, I think that that's it. And, and just really, just connecting with people, you know, on an adult level. I think that's great. I think, you know, the number one answer that I get most of the time is that you can share 
with your family that, you know, what other job do you have in the world where you can go to your husband's work and it mean just as much to you as it does to him? And that even means the low points. Sure. Now that even means those points too. I mean, you know, I think I can tell you off the top of my head, each child's first hero. Wow. And it was Claire. Really? Each one of my kids has their first hero. And, um, you know, all Riley, guys that played for Tom, I'm assuming. All guys that played for Tom. Riley wore number 34 in everything he ever did because Travis Diener wore that number. He played for us at Marquette. And um, come on. How, that's just really cool. It's awesome. Cordell Henry was his first favorite point guard, and he is now coaching at the IMG Academy um, uh, in the middle school program. So uh, it's cool. Victor Aladipo was Ainsley's, and Megan's was um, – kid by the name of John Harris, who coaches with the main um, Red Claws now. So kind of cool. That's super cool. Do your, do your kids keep in touch with the guys too? Yeah, Megan actually, the first game, Victor texted Megan during the game and wanted to know if Tom had some type of um, Fitbit on so to <laughs> find out how many steps he was taking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just yeah. pacing a little too much, huh? <laughs> Well, he does. If you've ever watched him coach, he doesn't yes. have to finish. He doesn't literally, he physically has no place to sit. So <laughs> he's got to move around. But um, yeah, Victor does. Um, Megan and Dwayne will, um, through Instagram or, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll see guys call her sis, you know, hey sis, on their Instagram things. Um, so yeah, and Ainsley, Ainsley could text Victor and he'll text back in a heartbeat. So um, I love that. I think it's cool. all because of the silly bands. The silly band connection. The bond <laughs> of the silly band. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. Well, um, do you think I covered everything? Do you want to talk about anything else? I don't think so. I think you did a great job. It was, oh, thank it was, you. It's so fun. I can't believe this is only your third podcast. Wasn't she hilarious? Hilarious, authentic, genuine, real, all of the adjectives to describe Joni Cream so phenomenal and a lot of us can really identify with a lot of what she said i think what struck me the most is perception and reality everybody can identify with that right doesn't matter if you're a coach's wife or whatever your profession may be whatever your title is perception and reality is what we deal with every single day with the way that social media is she's got a point so much fun to talk to her like i told you what a genuine family and to have the koreans here in georgia such a blessing hopefully they go on to do great things all right this is the point in the podcast where i do tell you who my next guest is and that is Brittany Fultonevich. Her husband is former Braves pitcher Mike Fultonevich. He's in the middle of free agency right now. He's been an all-star. He's been a first-round draft pick, and he has certainly had some bumps in the road, especially here in Atlanta. We talked about that. We talked about everything you can imagine, even the unspoken rules of baseball wives. She's the first wife that I've gotten on this podcast, and she was the most outspoken and authentic person I think I could have gotten to come on for the first. So, so excited for that episode to drop. We're going to be dropping, like I said, a couple of more here in the next couple of weeks. So about to ramp up the production of this podcast. And thank you for following along. This is just so much fun. As always, be safe, be blessed, have a great week, and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Married to the Game. Married to the Game.